Welcome to the Wealth Collective Podcast, where the goal is to make finance fun and accessible to everyday Australians, sharing tips and tricks on how people can improve their financial position and have a laugh along the way. The information contained on this podcast is general advice only and hasn't taken into account your personal circumstances. Before acting on any of the content you've heard, you should consult your own financial advisor to consider whether that is appropriate for you. Hello, it's Pete Pennycott here and welcome to the Wealth Collective Podcast. We're back for a special edition of the uh, weekly podcast a little bit earlier in the week because a few of us might have sore heads with the Christmas party uh, (laughs) the evening before the actual regular scheduled one. So we're sort of planning for a little bit of chaos. Uh, It's Tuesday the 18th of December and I'm joined on the show today by Zach Masters and Daniel Reaper from Picada. Hey, how are you going? Hello. Thanks for getting in today. I know I sort of uh, dragged you out a little bit earlier out of the woodwork, uh, <laughs> but I'm looking at the two of you. I think you might be the actual culprits of having pretty um, sore heads. Pretty, oh, pretty. <laughs> I think my voice is the worry, so I tend to. It was last year. After a couple, of, shocking. Yeah, after a couple of um, wines, maybe talking a little bit loud at the table. So, um, yeah, in terms of what we're going to be talking today is, I think this one's near and dear. Uh, to a lot of our clients' hearts, uh, and also one that keeps coming up in conversation as well, which is Labor's um, flag changes to negative gearing, just being sort of limiting that to new dwellings, yeah. not existing ones. Um, and, you know, the asterisk there is they're planning to grandfather it. Why it's not grandparent it, I don't know. <laughs> you know we're a sort of an equal opportunity organisation, but I think, um, you know, making sure that existing properties will still retain their sort of negative gearing benefits but, yeah, massive changes. I'm not sure a lot of, you know, is this something you guys are worried about? You know, were you looking to build investment portfolios and take advantage of negative gearing? Uh, it's something that I've, yeah, definitely looked at. I'm obviously um, very much pro-equities. Yeah. <laughs> that side of well, they're going to be caught up in this as well. No, so yeah, exactly. So, yeah, ne- well, negative gearing, you know, it looks like it's going to sort of target equity portfolios as well because mm. a lot of our clients, you know, had explored that as a, as a solution as well, not just sort of restricting it to property. So yeah. uh, you can't get a new share, I don't think. That doesn't count as construction. So yeah. <laughs> um, I think that'll be cut out as well. So, um, no, But I think especially because uh, well, I know Daniel and myself are looking at buying um, property, you know, to live in yeah. potentially in the future. Um, so it's de- yeah, going to definitely be an interesting time to see what happens and what the effects and the implications are of the um Proposed changes. Well, you were, you were saying, saying Labor gets in yeah, as and well, I, and I think that's the bit where yeah, we don't want to jump at shadows, but this is looking. Yeah, we look at statistical likely. probabilities, yeah. and this is looking remarkably likely. Um, so, first home buyers—that's part of the thing of going helping housing affordability. Is that sort of what you're reading from this, Dan, as well? Yeah. So the main reason why it's being introduced is to equal the playing field for first home buyers. So. We've also seen APRA um, creating some lending criteria, which has also reduced how many loans are being put out there in, um, in the marketplace, and that has driven down the price of houses because yeah. investment has slowed down. So with this new labour um, native gearing uh, abolishment, that will then further make changes. So it's going to be quite interesting to see. Yeah, and that's a big one. I know I think it's a bit short-sighted, to be honest. So, you know, we're not one to get political here, mm. but this um, system with, you know, the system has been working well to yeah. this point. Like, yeah, we've had a really sort of bullish property market and things have grown. I think we've already, like, all this stuff of sort of, you know, stamp duty relief for mm. lower-cost housing, 
you know, we need a, a vibrant um, investment community as well because yeah. otherwise I, I just see a world where can someone get to rental property? So if you mm. have, take all the investors out of the market, who's going to create this sort of, mm. uh, yeah, these properties for people to live in who don't want to buy a property? And the thing is people that actually do have investment properties, a lot of them are not in that high marginal tax bracket. They're teachers, they're builders, they earn 70, 80K. And I'm not a builder you're working with, <laughs> not the builders I'm working with. So. Yeah, just, there just seems to um, be this misconception that only the wealthy have investment properties, which is just not the case at all. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of, a few stats out there. Most people have one, maybe 1.5 or two. Mm. Uh, I don't know how you get a 0. 0.5, yeah. but statistically <laughs> speaking. But, yeah, there's people aren't running around with massive property portfolios. So, um, yeah, interesting to see, but I think this is a big one because it may change the way... Um, yeah, investors out there having a look at going, where should I sort of build my portfolio? So, um, and, you know, negative gearing is not the only way. So the term gearing implies there's some debt involved. So you yeah. owe money on the asset. A lot of properties now is actually positively geared if you've held them for some time. So mm. you know, if you haven't bought it in the last couple of years, you probably, you know, could be sitting in a sort of a positively geared portfolio. Because we're in that really low um, environment so yeah and i think the problem is what do interest rates look like moving forward yeah like it doesn't look like they're going to be ratcheting up anytime soon but you never know um so i think yeah in terms of understanding does gearing make sense and is it something that clients should be considering um that's sort of what we want to talk about as well so um guys thoughts on gearing as a just as part of a wealth creation strategy well gearing is a great way to accelerate your wealth so you can gear against a portfolio, which um, can enhance those capital gains, but there are some risks involved. Um, I don't know if you want to touch on those, Zach. Oh, well, you're yeah. all upside over there. I think it's great. I'll put the negative hat on. Um, so obviously, it's firstly important to look at what your risk profile is um, because, yes, while gearing's great when everything's going good, um, obviously on the flip side, when things are going bad, gearing can um, make those losses worse as yeah. well. So that's something you've got to be prepared for and be willing to wait that out, all those down periods. Um, it's also important to look at gearing as, you know, not just a tax saving, but you're still putting money in, hopefully something that's going to grow. So I think a lot of people start negatively gearing, negative gearing going, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. I'm going to save on tax. But if you're not buying an asset that's going to grow um, in the long term, then you're still not going to be better off. Yeah, so yeah, you need right. to still be looking at making sure um, that the assets that you're buying are good quality assets. Yeah. And I think, do you want to go run through, just backtrack again. So what is negative gearing? Yep. Um, so what negative gearing is, is when, say, you were to purchase an investment property and that, say, your your repayments on that property, uh, for example, $2,000 a month, that the income you're getting or rental from that property is 1500 then you've got that um, tax offset of 500 yeah. a so month coming So in. basically you, you're foregoing annual cash flow. So you're losing mm-hmm. money each year from a cash flow perspective to try and get capital gains. So property prices over long periods of time are showing that they're going to go up. So that's what you're trying to capture, that capital gain. And in the past, capital gains, the reason why that, that's far more attractive than the income tax side. Yeah. So you know, if you can lower your assessable income each year and sort of reduce marginal tax, but also with capital gains, you get to defer it. So you get to say, okay, if you hold it for more than 12 months, up until this point, we've had a 50% discount as well. So you actually get another, you know, even more concessional treatment. And potentially, if you can defer it to a low income year, i.e. post-retirement or in a sort of a, hopefully for a lot of our clients out there, sort of career break mm-hmm. um, or sort of mini retirement um, sort of thing, you can actually sort of limit the tax you pay again. So that was the real 
I guess, I don't know, the sexy part of what negative gearing did for people. And a lot of people have built significant wealth by virtue of negative gearing. It's not restricted yeah. to property. It's just, you know, inflow and outflow. Um, are they positive or are they negative? So Yeah, and what do you um, – we probably haven't gone through in enough, in enough – depth um, of what the proposed changes are in detail. So maybe, Pete, did you want to go through what those proposed changes are that Labor's um, thinking if they get in? Oh, I thought we did cover that, but anyway. Not, so, not in the full detail. Yeah, so I think it's going to be limiting. So they're going to have a look at, and this is all just yeah, talk at the moment, mm-hmm. but having a look at, you know, for any new dwelling. So if you're going to construct a dwelling, so, and, you know, they're not 100% clear, but if you're knocking down, rebuilding, and they're creating jobs and creating growth in the economy. Um, those ones, you still will be entitled to the, um, the negative gearing benefits. But any existing properties, um, so if you go and buy a house that already exists, so you know, you're buying it and not improving it or sort of um, doing anything to the, change the makeup of it, well, you're not going to be entitled to any um, negative gearing discounts. So that means those losses you're going to cop each year, you just have them. You don't get to offset them against anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what is interesting, though, there's looking at going, can you package up a portfolio of properties and use them as a collective source of negative gearing? Um, so potentially clients that have already got some existing properties, there may be some um, you know, some saving graces there about what that looks like. Um, but for everyone who owns a property now is entitled to negative gearing benefits, those ones are still going to sort of, nothing changes. So the game doesn't change. So I think um, a lot of people are sort of, Heavily up in arms, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't stress too much. But I think definitely any would be or sort of future property investors are definitely going to be worse off as a result of this. Yeah. Um, so in a nutshell, that's it. Like we can go into sort of detail and detail mm-hmm. about what the, um, I guess, the proposed plans look like. But it is up in the air. But the big thing is, what if negative gearing gets removed? Does this mean that gearing's off the table as a strategy? I don't think it is. I think fundamentally it brings it back to I think what you said before of buy a really high quality asset. If you can get it to neutrally geared, awesome. Where, you know, whatever revenue you're earning from um, the investment is equal to all the expenses mm. associated with it. Mm. Uh, and if it's positive, that's even better. So that means you're sort of your wealth compounding on the capital side. And the benefit of capital, as I said before, you can defer it until you want to actually take the capital gains tax implications. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, in the short term, I don't think it changes anything. Mm. Um, and I think, gearing on other um, types of investments such as shares, uh, managed funds, you know, other sort of listed securities, I'd highly caution against. I think um, the one thing I've got on you two guys is you know, <laughs> good looks and also you know, a bit of age as well, so a bit of maturity. So <laughs> you went through the GFC, so yeah, yeah. that's very scary times. Yeah, so yeah, and I've had margin calls. So these are things that sort of you know, for the last 10 years a lot of people haven't experienced. So, yeah, um, yeah in terms of do you need to have gearing, I think, is the question of going, do you really need that acceleration on your growth? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you, when used wisely over long periods of time and if you go, hey, if I, if I was going to invest in it and I thought it made sense and it was going to make me money, why wouldn't I have more of it yeah. mm-hmm. and have a, a you know interest rates are low so it makes sense to borrow? And I think at the core, I actually agree with that principle, but what I think the overlay we need to do and put on top of it is, we're all humans, and humans make terrible investing decisions. Mm-hmm. They panic. You know, I was, you know, had clients that were sell, selling you know, ANZ at sort of $12, $13 a share. And you look at that now and you go, that's insane. Um, but it happens because sometimes you can't control when you need the cash. Mm-hmm. Like you're not picking and going, oh, awesome. 
let's have a margin call today because I've got heaps of money to actually sort of chip in and throw yeah. throw it in. Um, and before I go go in further, I've kept talking margin calls. Um, yeah. So margin calls are these horrible things that when the um, the value of your property or your asset sort of drops below a level where you don't have the appropriate um, loan to valuation ratio, like the security level, you know, margin call different to a home loan. You can actually the the bank or the institution who's lending it to you can actually sort of call up and go, hey, you need to do one of two things. You need to chip in money and bring that sort of your asset level up, up yeah. yeah, or pay down your loan, one or the other, so change the sort of the dynamic there, or we're going to sell your shares. Mm. Um, and they'll sell them, and they'll sell them in whatever sort of order suits them. They won't, yeah. um, and that was really bad. So, you know, having gone through that personally, it was a matter of, you know, and these, these weren't sheep stations back in the day mm. sort of um, when I was doing it, but it felt like a lot and it was a horrible experience. And I'm sort of tipping in as much of my sort of weekly or fortnightly pay at the time um, to just keep my investments going and try and hang on to them. And thank goodness I was able to hold, hang on to them. Um, but a lot of people were sort of pulling money out of property to try and fund and keep their um, investment portfolios going. Mm. Um, but yeah, when that happened, you know, we don't know how long that can last. And I think the thing to note is the market can stay down longer than you can potentially stay liquid and yeah, solvent. Yeah. And you know, it might not happen at a time where you are flush with cash. It might happen when you've just had a child or you're changing jobs or you want to go on that holiday and you you might be forced to sell up um, an asset at a really, really poor time. So that's a, probably the behavioral finance side of it, I think, challenges the in, in a pure sense, gearing makes sense. You know, mm. Make more money. Yeah, sounds great. But in reality, I think that thing of just going, are you fully robust enough in your financial um, and behavioral sort of decision-making to to weather the storm? Yeah. Um, that's probably the big question I'd have. And I'd sort of, uh, yeah. And even now, we haven't had a massive pullback. We've sort of, you know, had a, a fair sell-off in markets. So I think that'd mm. be that'd be testing the nerve of a few people that, you know, if you're not autopiloting your finance, which we all um, are pretty big on, hey, are you buying more today, or are you trying to wait and go, oh, maybe it's going to drop uh, more next, you know, next week or something like that, or are you, are people selling? So I know yeah. there's in the property markets, people putting more and more property on the market. So, um, but yeah, is there other gearing strategies you'd consider, guys, or um, things you'd be looking at? Not necessarily negative gearing, but well, you get a line of credit um, through your existing home. So that's just when you draw a line of credit from the bank and the bank then values your home in the event that you can't make those repayments or you go bust, they then access your, your home equity, Yeah. Um, which is a pretty scary scenario if worst case happens that yeah. you can't make that. And this is this is part of the reason we're going, hey, you're putting a house on the line yeah. for an investment portfolio. And I, I, I actually know someone that did do that and um, the whole financial situation with the family just went absolute downhill yeah. and that sucked to see. So, personally, um, I'm against them, but if it works for you and you're in the right situation, then it can work for you. Yeah. But there's serious risks involved with gearing. Yeah, and it is. It's just it's yeah, it's yeah, adding fuel to the investment, so it amplifies gains, mm. amplifies losses. Mm. Um, and, yeah, often the losses hurt a hell of a lot more than those gains. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think it's just sort of one of those things. If you are going to sort of do it, Make sure you're putting yourself through some robust risk profiling just to go, hey, am I ready for this? Yeah. And look back historically and go, these things happen from time to time. There's, mm. you know, I think what a 20, 20% sell-off in markets or a drop would happen once every four or so years. Mm. You know, we've had a real dream run for 10 years and yeah. you know, Australian economy hasn't had a recession for yeah. decades now. 
Um, That's one point. Stress testing it yeah. is a fantastic way to find out what happens in yeah. the worst case. And then what would you do? Like, are you, I yeah. think if you are going to do it, have cash reserves or something. Yeah, have a plan B of going, if this does happen, and what's that, it look like? And if you've got a property or something, I think that your cash reserves should be your offset account yeah. or something like that because I think then you go, yeah, it's serving a purpose. It's giving me liquidity. It's reducing my interest expense on a bad debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Non-deductible debt is a bad debt. All debt is going to look like it's going to be a bad debt in the future. Um, mm. So I think that's probably a strategy to do because if you're just holding money in cash and gearing, you probably just had a, should have had a better constructed portfolio that was somewhere in the middle of those two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, instead of having, yeah, having yeah, literally a, a third party sort of have a um, an ownership in your assets. Mm. So with the um, proposed changes, are there any implications that you guys can see, or that might provide opportunities, or what can you? You see that all the um, implications of these changes. I think hopefully on the good side. You got to look. I'm a, I'm the eternal optimist, so I'm looking at the upside here. To forget about all the negative stuff for the moment. Um, I hope it is better for people trying to enter the property market. I think that's what it's there for: housing mm-hmm. affordability, and it is really, really important. Like, you know, that people can have a roof over their head, feel safe, and in an area that you know they can commute and get to work and do what they need to do and provide for their families and not feel like. They've literally mortgaged their whole lives mm. for a home mortgage. I think that's insane. That's getting to that point where, yeah, I've got first home buyers that are spending, you know, ten times their sort of net incomes mm. on, um, you know, their first home. Yeah, mm. for me, it seems like it's just really stretching you to the limit. So I think that's probably the thing of if it can make things more affordable. And I think there's other policies that should be focused on if we can get growth in the economy and make people sort of. You know, get wage you know, increase. So yeah. make people wealthier. Mm. Yeah, then they can easy, more easily manage um, mm. the properties. So that's hopefully what I'm looking as a positive. Um, well, even even for me, because I'm I was having a look at buying around August September next year, um, but just because Labor's going to most likely will be in Parliament, um, I'm going to push that off for an extra year or a year and a half just to see the actual total effect of this proposed um, gearing. So. That's how I'm looking at it, um, and I'm sure many people feel in the same way. And if you want to add on to that, Zach. Uh, yeah, so that's, um, yeah, it'll be an interesting thing to look at and go, will it actually decrease the prices? And it might for the short term on, you know, pe- when people are selling because those investors going, I want the negative gearing benefits will be going, well, I can't get it from this type of property anymore. Mm. Um, so that potentially is something there. And um, the things that we haven't touched on, possibly the, the negative side of things too, Oh, gosh, um, always going to the negative. Someone's going to do it. <laughs> um, and that's the, you know, potentially that we were speaking about um, prior is going, you know, will there be as much properties out there for rent um, yeah. in the future? I think Labor's thinking is maybe there'll be a lot of knockdown rebuild developments and sort of get more density. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't know if Australians are ready for more density. I know when I'm driving through Brunswick and Fitzroy, I'm sort of struggling to manoeuvre my, and I don't have a big car. Uh, through those streets. So I think more density has other problems as well because we don't have necessarily the public, you know, transport infrastructure and those sort of things. So, yeah. yeah. And we could go on and on. Like This is why I'm not a politician because it seems like the policies are they're pretty difficult to get right. Yeah. Um, but I think like one of the interesting ones was the Masters Builder, uh, you know, Master Builders Association mm. had a, like they got sort of a cadence economics to do a bit of a study. I don't know, you know, obviously it's a paid study, so sort of uh, look through this with the lens of maybe being this critical about what they're trying to yeah. uh, say, but ultimately they're predicting, what was it, 42,000 
fewer new dwellings uh, with an $11.8 billion hole in the housing industry. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, Master Builders Association are probably sort of um, pretty keen keen to sort of keep the sort of the growth in the economy happening. Um, Yeah. I think most developments are done with negative gearing in mind. So I can sort of see where that um, study was perhaps looking at it. And I think the big one off that was 32,000 fewer jobs. Mm. Um, yeah, that's not what we want. And I think if that is one of the sort of the downsides, and, you know, this is just one study, Labor's got their own and they've done their um, affordability metrics and they think it stacks up. But, yeah, um, that's that's probably, the, you know, if I have to join the sort of the negative party over here with Zach, that's probably the one that I'd be most worried about is do we have less properties available and are people then not able to afford you know, is there a rental battle on? Mm-hmm. I remember I was sort of looking at rental properties years ago now, but um, <clears throat> there used to be like, you know, yeah, applying against tens and tens of applicants. Yeah. That sort of switched the other way now where you're going, okay, well, you'd sort of, okay, great. There's you're tens the, you're and the tens of properties to choose for. Yeah, you've got yeah. plenty of choice and people are throwing in a month's free rent and, yeah, you've got, oh, we'll, we'll furnish it or we'll throw this in. Um, so I think the, the dynamics of the industry are changing. So, yeah. Um, Daniel over here drawing something here. <laughs> I don't know. No one can see that. You understand there's a podcast, the medium, and that, and that camera's probably... No, so I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about basic um, um, uh, law of supply and demand. Yeah. So there's a few factors. There's going to be the, the, the demand of investment properties, the supply of it, and how does that affect prices? Yeah. So how does that happen? You didn't get there in your picture. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that supply of investment properties will, will will actually decrease. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So just, just about for, for <laughs> listeners out there, Daniel's think, drawn another line think, on his picture. I think we'll have to we'll have to touch on this another time. Maybe we'll do that in your send a vlog around. Yes, maybe. I will. Yeah, oh. nice. make sure we put that picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we, we might wrap it up there. We sort of hit twenty minutes uh, already, so and we do try and keep it as short and sweet as we can. Um, and for those. Um, tuning in we will put a, a little snippet of daniel's um picture in the podcast notes as well so you can refer to that one it's getting worse and worse <laughs> it is getting getting <laughs> um, but that's all for uh, for us today on the wealth collective podcast um we hope you got something out of it and if you've got any questions or want to know about how negative gearing changes could potentially impact you or perhaps you're thinking about it from just a you know housing perspective and how that might um have flow-on effects to your future plans then, yeah, just shoot, yeah, hit us up with an email, um, send something on Twitter. So the email address is connect at picata.com.au. Um, but thank you for listening and thank you to Zach and Daniel for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Uh, if you have enjoyed the podcast, please share it. So, you know, we want to get the, the message out there and help as many people as we can. By sharing it, subscribing, five-starring, it means we're more visible, means we can sort of um, get, you know, touch the touch with more people and also get sort of better guests on the podcast not that these guys are um, <laughs> no good, but, but we might be able to sort of get some uh, special guests as well. so thanks for listening and um we'll uh, we'll see you all back again hopefully on friday if we're all feeling uh, up to it thanks for tuning into the wealth collective podcast you can get in touch with us and send any questions to connect at picada.com.au or send us a message on Facebook or Twitter. If you have enjoyed this, then please subscribe and five-star us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. Until next time, live well and be prosperous.